Welcome to the Fantasy Affair. What's up, my Fantasy Affairians? Welcome into another fabulous episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Eric Burkholder at Eric Burkholder6, joined by Bradley Stickler at FF Bourbon Dude. Man, we are going to continue our divisional breakdowns, but real quick, I just want to highlight all everything that's been hitting our website, fffair.com. We seem to be dropping articles daily, sometimes two or three. They're focused on dynasty, buys, sells, young bucks, people on the rise, people to get out from under, and there's a ton of material in there. We got a couple new series coming. Uh, go check it out, fffair.com. And, of course, that hot by happy hour and the live stream are going – I mean, that live stream is going, what, at least once a week. So uh, we're going to continue our AFC breakdown here, hitting up the south before we get into that. Brad, man, how you doing? Doing good, man. Drinking a, a a new drink that a buddy of mine taught me about. It's called the Bourbon Itch. Uh, it's a little bit of a, a fruitier drink. It's got some pear in it, some lemon juice, but I'm telling you, it's top notch on a hot day. So I'm excited to bring in our guest and and talk some AFC South. Yeah, man. Our guest today, as promised, is Brian Craighead. He is. Uh, at Vandy Grad 92, and of course, the host of Cash Crusade, which was a big hit last year. He had a ton of success, lots of great lineups, lots of great guests coming on. Uh, Brian, man, how you doing? Talk to us a little bit about what you got coming up, and we'll close out with that, too. Hey, Berkey, I'm doing great. It's been a while since I've talked to you all, but I'm doing really well. And um, like you said, we did Cash Crusade the last seven weeks or so of last year. Looking forward to the fall. I've been working a little baseball, but looking, looking forward to football. And like you said, we've got a lot of great Twitter guests and all, all of that. So we're, you know, we're going to do it week by week. It'll be different guests, but uh, main thing, I'll, I'll be the host. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah, you're working for going for two now, right? Branching out. I, I am. I, I decided to branch out a little bit. It's, um, you know, this spring was a little, little slower time for some of us, um, but we've got a lot of content going on. So I decided to do a little fantasy DFS baseball. So kind of trying to improve my writing, do, do a different second sport. It's always recommended for people. You know, just branch out. So, absolutely. And for anybody that's interested, man, check out his Twitter at Vandygrad92. Follow the links. Uh, follow his work anywhere and everywhere that he does it, man. He's he's fantastic. We're happy to have him. We're glad he's part of the team. Let's get into this. Breaking news. Uh, news and notes. Aaron Rodgers not reporting to mandatory OTAs, which I believe are supposed to start next Tuesday. Is this expected? Do you believe he'll be a Packer? We'll start with Brad. Yeah, I, unfortunately, it is a little expected. I was hoping this it wasn't going to come to this. I was one of those guys who thought that he was really just kind of looking for a, a contract uh, concern or contract fix. But it's looking more and more like there's a chance that he is not playing this year. And you might want to start to think about how that's going to affect the team and make some dynasty decisions as appropriate based on where you're at if you're in a rebuild or a contending type team. Brian? I'm thinking similar, um, but at the same time, I've got some confidence that, he'll, that he'll, come, he'll finally come to camp and play in the fall. You know, it's, it's hard to say. It's a tough situation. But like you said, you got to be making some backup plans just in case and thinking on top of your head, how does that affect everybody? You know, how does it affect Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams? Um, you know, I think Jones will be just as good, if not better. Devontae's going to have some more unusual targets if, if they have to go a different route. So, you know, if they have to go love, it's a totally different route. But, you know, you just got to – kind of prepare that but like i said i've still got mostly hope that rogers comes back so yeah you bring up a good point about Devonte adams so he came out and said 
Aaron Rodgers' future with the Green Bay Packers may also affect my future with the Green Bay Packers. So read into that as you will, whether that means he may look at holding out, whether that means he may be looking to go elsewhere when his contract's up. What does that look like? And again, address your fantasy team as appropriate. So Yeah, I think that was an interview with Stephen A. And what he said was, uh, if he's not, if my guy's not here, I'm going to have to think about it a little longer. He's not ruling it out, but he'll have to think about it. Now they can't franchise, franchise tag him. That's something. Um, we saw him produce, I believe it was 2018, with Brent Huntley under center for most of the season. He was still wide receiver 14, didn't even play every game. So he's a stud. Uh, A.J. Dillon needs to be mentioned real quick because if Rodgers isn't there, Aaron Jones is, is a stud, but now there will be people saying that they want to possess the ball more. They want to ground and pound more. They did select him in the second round. He will play. And so if you can get him now and flip him later and do an instant in two weeks, turn a profit. I think that's a sneaky play in dynasty. Um, let's move on to the other big name. This is the biggest thing in the fantasy community. Everybody's talking about Julio Jones goes to the Tennessee Titans for a second next year, a fourth in 2023. And I believe a sixth the year after that. So, um, what does this mean for Julio? What does this mean for Tennessee? Uh, that's the question. So that's where we're going to start in the AFC South. Let's go ahead and start with Julio Jones as himself. Does this help him, hurt him? Is he going to stay the same? Let's start with Brian. Honestly, I see, see him being about the same. One thing that was re previously mentioned or recently mentioned was the fact that his um, average depth of target um, in 2018 was 14 yards. And then just this past year, got down to as low, low as 11. So one of the things he was really wanting to do was get a place where he could actually get some more deep balls. To me, I'm not sure he made the best direct decision. Tannehill actually has a lot of shorter routes to, to A.J. Brown. He, ta he takes them deep, takes them to the house for 80 yards. But in all honesty, I, I don't know that it improves Jones's statue much at all, to be honest. So, Going from a team that throws it well north of 600 times a, a year to a team that's going to throw it just north of 400, certainly south of 500, uh, there's less targets to go around, but we, we do think they'll be funneled a little bit. What's Julio Jones' outlook for you, Brad? Yeah, I mean, the Tennessee Titans have 224 vacated targets. That's a lot of targets between Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, Johnu Smith. Those guys being gone, that's a big deal. I think there's still a chance that AJ or AJ uh, that Julio sees the 130, 140, maybe even that 150 target mark to to address the the issues with Ryan Tannehill and the D ball, he was tied for 10th and average depth of target. That's, that's pretty solid. So he's I mean, not per, afraid a percentage though, because he threw the ball 426 times. So that right. Volume wise, it's yes. not the same, but I, I to say that he's not going to try to push the ball down the field. I, th I think that opportunity is still there for Julio to see. And who's is Anthony. Are we concerned that Anthony Ferkser is going to take targets away from Julio Jones that, that Des Fitzpatrick, a rookie, that Josh Reynolds, a, 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 what do you want to call him, a, a journeyman wide receiver coming from the Los Angeles Rams is going to take away targets from this guy. They brought Julio in to be Julio. As long as he stays healthy, I see him getting the volume and still being able to produce very well for your fantasy team in the, in the upcoming couple of years. Yeah, real quick, Julio Jones since 2017, just targets, 148, 170. 157. It's going to be tough to get those numbers, but we're hoping he's more efficient with them, right? AJ Brown last year, Mr. Recruit Man, 106 targets. Okay. Finishes wide receiver 12 and PPR wide receiver nine in standard. 
So there's still hope that AJ Brown's targets are going to go up. And there's still hope that Julio Jones, even though he'll drop to 140, 130, 125, maybe. Um, that he will still be efficient enough to be that top five kind of guy. Is injury any sort of concern? No, no. Uh, I mean, last year is the first time he missed any significant time. He's been a guy who does his little ankle tweaks here, and you always hear about him on the injury report for the Atlanta Falcons over the course of the last six, seven years, but he always plays through it, and he always produces for you. So last year being the first time, I'm not concerned with that being an issue with him moving forward. Yeah, man, who do we think has the most targets, yards, touchdowns? Who do we think is the better player between him, between AJB and Julio Jones coming up in this upcoming season? Let's start with Brian. I definitely think it's Brown. Um, he, he's the incumbent, so to speak. And like I said, the one, one thing that he did, and not that Julio's not capable of it, but Brown was, was just f- remarkable in regards to breaking it to the house because, in all honesty, Tannehill, you know, like you said, it's reduced volume in terms of passing. And he also got, like, Johnny Smith, all those targets short. I don't. I don't see him being quite the quite the deep ball that Matt Ryan is. So I'm. I'm gonna have to go with Brown. Yeah. I'm. I'm. God, this is tough. Cause I. How do you. How do you not say Julio in this situation? This guy's been one of the best wide receivers we've seen in recent memory in in recent history. So I've got to go with Julio. He is not in the games that he played. He was still dominant last year. So I've got to think that he's going to come in. He's going to be that vet. He's going to demand some targets. And I think he's going to be the alpha. Now I still think AJ Brown is a monster. I still think AJ Brown is going to eat. And I think this helps AJ Brown more than Corey Davis and John U. Smith helped AJ Brown. I think the addition of Bud Dupree on defense, there's a lot of things going on in Tennessee right now. And I, these guys are starting to creep up my list of potential Super Bowl candidates coming out of the AFC. Wow. Wow. That's bold. Hey, man, they were, they it were, is. It they, is. were they were a couple of plays away two years ago. They had a nice uh, season last year, ran into Baltimore. It's tough to beat Lamar Jackson any, any week. And if it's a one-week elimination, it stings a little bit more. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who gets double. Yeah, right, because b- between the two, AJB and Julio, Julio is the alpha because AJ Brown wants him to be. I mean, he showed up to his game against Pittsburgh in an AJ Brown, I mean, in a, in a Julio Jones jersey. So the real question is, which one of them is going to wear number eleven? Brad, is he going <laughs> to give up his number or what? They can't both be number eleven. I, I it would not surprise me if AJ Brown gives up number eleven. It, the guy's pretty class guy. He's talked about Julio Jones for a long time. You mentioned the Jersey. He's been recruiting him. He's not going to recruit a guy like Julio Jones. And then when he gets to the team, be like, Oh no, bro, you're not getting number 11. You got to pick something else. That ain't happened. Yeah. I think that kind of highlights why Julio will be the, will be the alpha because AJ Brown wants him to be Ryan, man, you got it. You want to weigh in on this number swap? Are they just going to turn the, the ones backwards and they'll both be 11 or the, what are they going to do? And, and unless I've been living living under rock, this is kind of a me society. I, l- I love AJ Brown. He seems down to earth. If I'm in his shoes, I'm certainly not giving up my number. I've already had two years of good of good numbers, so forget that. He's going back to number eight. So, ah, uh, it's going to be interesting. I know that AJ Brown picked number eleven because of Julio, and I also think it's great that Julio went and okay. So two years ago, he showed up to camp without getting paid because he's and his. This is what he said: Calvin Ridley needs me. Kelvin needs me, so I'm here. Took him under his wing. Kelvin really is a stud. That right then, 
I was so on the boat. I was driving the train. I just jumped to the front. Of the, I went from the caboose to the front. I got him anywhere I could. So Julio goes from that to go get another pupil in A.J. Brown. I think he knows the better the guy on the other side is, the easier it is for me to operate. Who are you going to double? What are the safeties going to do? And if you go to cover two, right, cover two is what you run on because the field has the middle and the two outsides, and they're, and they're guarding the hashes. Who runs the ball in Tennessee? So let's talk about Derrick Henry. All right, Brad, how do you feel about Derrick Henry? Now, he's like, was he 27? Okay, he, he's had a ton of carries in his career uh, the last two seasons, though he did get started a little late because Matt LaFleur benched him. So, you know, he's had 303 and then 378 rushing attempts last year for north of 2,000 yards. What's up with Derrick Henry? Because it feels like if you're a contender, this is the player to buy. I wonder if there is an opportunity for him to go back to back 2000 yard seasons. Like that is within the realm of possibility for me right now. When I think about if I'm a defensive coordinator and I've got to figure out how to stop AJ Brown and Julio Jones and worry about the rushing capabilities that Ryan Tannehill has, which is very underrated and not talked about a lot. And I've got Derrick Henry. I don't know what I'm going to do right now. So I think there's a very good chance that they're going to let Derrick Henry eat because he's going to be able to. So assuming he stays healthy in his age 27 season, which I don't know why he wouldn't, he hasn't proven that he has not been able to stay healthy. There's a really good chance that this guy is running for 18, 19, even 2000 yards again. How about them TDs 16 and then 17 last season? So Julio has never been like a touchdown creation machine, right? That's not been his game. So I don't know that the addition of Julio is going to hurt his touchdown upside. If anything, maybe it gives him more scoring opportunities. Now, can you really beat 17 rushing touchdowns? That's going to be pretty tough, but I still think it's very plausible that he's in that 15, that 15 touchdown range. Talk to me, Brian, how are you feeling about King Henry? Well, after the last after the last two years, can you really say there's room for improvement? But honestly, I would say there there still could be slight improvement from there. One thing I noticed um, in doing some digging today is that two years ago, when his best receiver was Corey Davis, he was still good. I think he averaged like 4.8 yards per carry. But the last two years, he was over five. One year he was five one, the other year he was 5.4. And so, if you think about one receiver, Brown opening up the field, add, add Jones in. I could see a few few less carries. I mean, they're still going to lean on him a lot. I could see a few less carries, but with that, may come more efficiency. He'll, at the end of games, still be even better than he than he is. If, you can, if one can even imagine that, it's almost impossible. So, when we talk about Julio and AJ Brown and Derrick Henry, right? We're going to get to Tannehill in a second because he's a hot. He's he's in the forefront of my mind right now. You're looking for that quarterback that's undervalued that can absolutely blow up. This is Matthew Stafford a couple of years ago and everybody just started dogging him. And I loved it. I'm a Lions fan. So I was already on the, on the bandwagon, but um, he was attainable all of a sudden. And I feel like that's Ryan Tannehill, but is there any, before we get to that, is there anybody outside of those three, Henry Brown, Julio, that has any upside in dynasty? We play dynasty. We have deep benches. We know that contracts come into play. They did sign Josh Reynolds. They did draft as Fitzpatrick. And Anthony Fersker takes over as the tight end. Brian, why don't I start with you here? Tell me your opinions on those three and, and who you think has upside. 
Okay, I'm going to first start out with Josh Reynolds. I don't see his situation being any better, certainly, than it was with the Rams. I mean, you have Woods and Cup. They're not as good as they're not as good, quite as good. They're good receivers, but they're not they're not Julio. They're not AJ Brown. So I think his his ceiling's kind of capped. He had his best year last year, which was I believe off the top of my head, 52 catches and right at 600 yards and maybe two or three touchdowns. It wasn't much. I don't see his his value being any better. So if we're looking at it from a dynasty perspective, keeping in mind Julio is is 32. He plays like he's 27, but he is 32. So honestly, Des Fitzpatrick would be my long-term play. You can get him really cheap in drafts right now. In fact, in one draft I was in, I believe I got him late third, middle of the fourth, somewhere in that range. So long-term, I'd much rather have Fitzpatrick than Reynolds. And Ferkshire, you know, his value got, got hurt quite a bit. He had opportunities last year. John, who missed some games. And, off the, and I think he had like 57 targets, something like that. And out of that, he only had one touchdown. So, you know, tight ends are pretty much t- touchdown dependent after the first four or five. And Ferkshire was not your guy last year. And I don't anticipate him, you know, his value got dented a little bit. So I don't see anything great long-term from him. So... Yeah, Josh Reynolds signs that one-year deal, $1.75 million. He was third fiddle for the Rams, who threw the ball a ton. He had opportunity there. We saw him fill in for Cooper Cup uh, a couple of years ago, and then when he goes to Tennessee, all these vacated targets. I'm like, dude, he's got an opportunity. Then they draft Des Fitzpatrick, who has a special place on my draft board, and I'm like, shit, these guys got an opportunity. Those poor bastards, man. Julio comes to town, and, um, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be which one of them sees the field. Uh, but I do, again, it's Dynasty. Julio is 32. Reynolds is on that one-year deal. Do you think there's any upside to Des Fitzpatrick, Bradley? Yeah, I think you got to go, Des. I think you got to go, Des, because Josh Reynolds, one year, $1.75 million. That's not a lot. There's not great things coming out of OTAs. There's been a couple videos of him doing drills where his footwork's not that great. So is he going to be able to beat out Des Fitzpatrick? I don't even know that that's the case. I don't, this, he may be the low man on the totem pole because he's probably going to be the cheapest person to get rid of if they want to move on, uh, depending on depth, what they've got. So I'm definitely going Des Fitzpatrick out of these two. And I, I don't know that I'm interested in rostering Josh Reynolds at all right now. All right. But you don't have to go Des. There are other options. Do you think Fitzy has actual value in fantasy going forward? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it in Rookie on the Rise, right? Between you, Britt, and I. We like, got there. But we we like Des Fitzpatrick, regardless of ne- necessarily the opportunity. The talent is there for him to get an opportunity to be on the field as the third wide receiver in that set. And that could be valuable. You see games with Russell Gage in Atlanta and Olamide Zaccheaus in Atlanta being productive. So whoever that third receiver is, who I think it's actually probably going to be Des Fitzpatrick, giving you games that are worth a flex play or worth a DFS play in certain situations. It's interesting. I will I will say this, that Josh Reynolds was brought in to block. He's a fantastic blocker, and he will be there to try and seal the edge. And whichever of them is able to get on the field is the only one with an opportunity this season. So I think Des will be on a ton of waiver wires come next year. Um, it is what it is. We had hope for a minute, but out of the two, it's, it's definitely Des. But Reynolds will be on the field. It's garbage. It's garbage outside of the top three guys. Uh, but let's talk about the guy that's apparently on a rocket ship. He's strapped up. He's lit the fuse like in Toy Story on the back of the little remote control car. Uh, it, it's a rocket. They lit it. Ryan Tannehill. Are we all in on Ryan? 
or are we kind of tempering expectations? Now, just for a little bit of background, he used to play for the Miami Dolphins. He was a very high draft draft pick, um, and he put up a, a mediocre year. Now, those those don't know, he went from wide receiver to quarterback in college. So he had a learning curve, and Miami picked him and threw him in there 484 attempts as a, fresh, as a, as a rookie. And he turns around and throws 588 and then 590, then 586. So he's definitely got his reps early in Miami. He finished uh, QB eight in 2014, finally got away from Adam Gase after some injuries. And since he's gotten to Tennessee, the guy is well north of 20 points a game. Um, last season, he was scoring 21.9, and he threw the ball 486 times. That's not a lot. He does have the seven rushing touchdowns. That's big time. Does Julio make Ryan Tannehill better? Like, does he actually jump him up into a possible top five finish this year? Let's start with Brian. I don't see top five. I do see top 10. I think one thing a lot of people have to keep in mind, he was underrated last year. If I ask the common person how many touchdown passes he had, I don't think we'd have many guesses that it was 33. So he was underrated last year. He did have ups and downs. You know, from one, he did have some bad games, mediocre games, whatever. But I can see, see his consistency go up. And the other thing that's really important to remember is that that 51, 51% of all plays last year was rushing, and there was only 49% of the plays was passing. We got a new offensive coordinator. So the question is, is it going to change in regards to are you going to go from 49% to 54%? I don't know. I mean, that's something we got to look at. So I think he's just more consistent, but I don't see him top five. If you're going to throw for less than 4,000 yards and run for less than 300 yards, you're going to have to score a ton of touchdowns to finish top 10. Brad, how do you feel about Ryan Tannehill? Yeah, it's tough. I, I think there's a chance that he gets in that six or seven range. But if you look at just last year alone, from where he finished, he was 40 points out of the top five. So if you go from number five, who was Kyler Murray in the league settings that I'm looking at right now, to Ryan Tannehill, who was number eight in this league, there's a 40-point difference. That's 1,000 yards if you just go off a yard. So you're looking at a 4,800-yard season, a 33-touchdown, seven, interception, seven interceptions, and then still that rushing floor of seven. I don't know that he sees that seven touchdowns again. I do see a drastic change in yardage. Julio Jones is a yardage machine. And you look at Corey Davis, he was in that 900-yard range. Julio Jones is not going to be at 900 yards. If he's healthy, he's pushing 12, 1,300 yards. You got to think A.J. Brown sees a yardage increase. So I think there's a chance he's in that 43 to 4,400-yard range, still pushing the 33, maybe even more touchdowns. But I think I think that 6 to 8 range is really kind of the – I almost want to say floor for him, right? I don't know that he's going to go much lower than that. It's going to be interesting because I can just start naming guys that we would all take above him. Todd Downing is the new offensive coordinators. A um, couple things to know. He formerly called plays for the Raiders and Derek Carr uh, before Gruden got there. He's got two decades of coaching experience. In 2015, he was pro football focuses quarterbacks coach of the year. So the guy's got some chops. He also said he's going to keep running the ball, but now they have Julio, so it's going to be interesting. I will say this, that he has got incredibly high expectations in year one. Like, he's got to come out there and put points up on the board. you got an efficient offense that adds an elite weapon, but they're old. 
Um, I don't know if that'll matter, but it definitely is a factor for a coordinator. It's tough because you got to limit their reps. And Julio Jones does not practice. Julio Jones does not go to practice. So that connection between a quarterback, like a battery in, in baseball, it matters some to me. It matters some. It's going to be interesting. Tennessee Titans, though, and, and Tannehill, like you said, Brian, he's criminally undervalued last season. He threw 33 touchdowns. He's still undervalued. So he's obtainable in those super flex leagues, right? He is obtainable. So let's move on to the Houston Texans here in the dumpster fire that is going on down there in the South. We don't know what's up with Deshaun Watson, but we're going to assume that he is not a Texan this year. So we're going to tiptoe around that issue for now um, and let the legal process play out. But regardless, he doesn't want to be a Texan. They moved on without him. They are going to start Tyrod Taylor. They've got Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins wrapping the wide receivers, and they've got anybody – that used to be somebody at running back. We got Philip Lindsay. We got Mark Ingram. We got David Johnson. Um, yeah. So it's not great. Is there anybody of relevance here in Houston? Well, that's, that's a dumb question. Let's start with this. Who's going to be the starting quarterback in Houston this year. And we know that I've been saying Tyron and I want to ask Brad because he spilled the beans a little before the show. I need him to put it on tape. He put a lot on tape last show, put it on tape. <laughs> So it's it's tough because I spent a lot of time thinking up to today when I actually did a little bit of digging, a lot of time saying the Houston Texans spent a third round pick on Davis Mills. They don't, they're not a team that's going to win. So it, what is the benefit in playing Tyrod Taylor? That was my argument. Where is the upside, right? When they've got a third round pick that they can put on the field, they're going to lose anyway get the guy some reps and see if it's a person that you can move forward with in the future, or if you need to address the quarterback position again in the off season, whether through free agency or the draft next year. However, and I won't say comma this time, even, you just even though did. I just, even though you I just, just said, did. however, take a look at David Cully, the new head coach of the Houston Texans. Everybody's all up in arms in this hiring. And they're saying, what, are the Houston Texans doing? I'm going to come to the guy's defense a little bit. The guy's coached for 28 years, the large majority of which has been in the NFL, whether a wide receivers coach, whether an assistant coach, whether an offensive coordinator. I didn't even hear this much bitching, moaning, and complaining when the, the Rams hired Sean McVay, who had five years of experience in the NFL or whatever it was, some lo stupid low amount. So why are we bitching about the hire of the Houston Texans when they go with a veteran coach? Now I'm not saying this guy's Sean McVay. I'm not saying this guy's Andy Reed, but let's listen to the coaches that this guy's been around. Andy Reed, Bill Cowart, Sean McDermott. These are guys who are taking teams to the playoffs on a consistent basis. And don't let me forget John Harbaugh is the other one. So this guy's got a ton of coaching experience watching head coaches that take their teams to the playoff. So you heard me say Sean McDermott. And this is what changed my mind. David Culley was the coaching staff. He was the quarterback's coach, I believe it was. Um, let, me, let me just double check that. Yes, he was the quarterback's coach in 2017 for the Buffalo Bills who was a playoff team in 2017. The yeah. quarterback for that yeah. team was Tyrod Taylor. So he took Tyrod Taylor to the playoffs as the quarterback's coach for the Buffalo Bills. That 
is why I changed my mind and believe that Tyrod Taylor will be the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans for the entirety of the 2021 season, unless he gets hurt, then, then all, all things are considered and, and move around. But I don't see a world where he doesn't get the opportunity to start the entire year. With that being said, what's the upside look like for him? I see a very similar season where he's in that 3,000 yard range. Maybe he's got a couple hundred yards rushing, fairly low in touchdowns, but also very low interceptions because he doesn't turn the ball, ball over very much. If you look at his 2017 season, he was QB 20. Uh, like that's not that's not a player I want to put on my fantasy team necessarily. Now he's a good depth piece. He's a good piece to have for a bye week. But I, I honestly believe that's kind of his ceiling. Like if I go down through the list, I can't get him above number 18. Like that's the absolute ceiling I see for him right now, especially on a team like the Houston Texans who don't have the weapons he needs to, to progress or to be a better quarterback than what he's been in the past. I love hearing you say that you came over to Tyrod, and I love the reasons why. <laughs> and there was a lot to unpack there. All right. The one thing he didn't say is that Tyrod Taylor is a good quarterback, but that's okay. It's okay for fantasy. No, nobody thinks that he'll put up some points though. And he's worth a stab um, because he's free. You talk about a throw in and you get a fourth round pick thrown in, just throw a third round pick out there for Tyrod Taylor and see how fast they, they click on it. Make it 2025, make it forever away. See how fast they accept that. Uh, there's one thing that I want to say. Sean McVay was a ball boy at the age of 17 for John Gruden. So he has been in the NFL his entire like his entire life. Like they have pictures of him as a child on the sideline holding water bottles. So to say that there's a reason why there was no complaints. You may not have experience like literally being the coach, but you're not going to have experience being the coach until somebody gives you a job. And the Rams clearly made the right decision. David Colley came out of left field. There's a reason people are pissed. They should be pissed. They're, they should be pissed. You want the truth? That's crazy. That is crazy. They, they said to Sean Watson, go to hell. They paid a half a million dollars to have somebody tell them who they should hire as their GM and they shit the bed. He said, I want you to talk to this coach. They said, fuck you. He said, I'm out. They went and hired the other guy, David Coley. God bless you. I hope you tear it up, man. Let's move on here to Brian. Um, talk to me about the quarterback situation. Davis mills versus Tyrod Taylor. Who's, who's the one to own a dynasty. Well, from a dynasty perspective, it's, it's, it can't be Tyrod. It's not like he's a young man. Um, he's 31. for this year, how old is he? He's 31. He's 31. 31. Derek Carr's he's 30. Not. Stafford's 33. Russell Wilson's 32. Now he's not any of those guys, but there's a world where they have so many problems that he gets to start for the Texans for two years before they, they fired David Culley. Right. There's a world where that happens. It's, it's always possible. I'm, I'm just going with Mills. Um, in all honesty, coming out of, coming out of high school, he's pretty well regarded. Um, he didn't get much of an opportunity at Stanford. He actually only started 14 games, had 438 passing attempts, but he's been noted to have a pretty good, pretty big arm. So, I mean, like you said, the Texans, I mean, what, what do you see the record? One in 16, oh, and 17. So I mean, I could be talked in, I could be talked into Tyrod, but I would, I would give Mills a chance to see what you got because if you don't have anything, well, guess what? You got to go get back in the draft and get another one. So, you know, I'd rather, you know, at some point in time, I think you got to decide that. No doubt Taylor starts the year. He's pretty well known to not finish most years. So that's just my gut impression. So we have seen him be taken over the, the last of which was Herbert before that it was Baker. So 
We've seen that happen. And, you know, Gardner Minshew came out of nowhere. They gave him a shot. Why wouldn't you give the guy a shot? But I do know the Texans just do things the wrong way. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I agree, though. Because if you're going to have to draft a guy, which we both think that they will, you're going to want to lose more games or figure out that Davis Mills is good enough where you can build around him. So it would make absolute sense that Davis Mills is the quarterback. I just think it's going to be Tyrod. And I think he's going to have a long time. The running back position, again, is up for grabs, man. Who do we think is the guy to own? David Johnson's there. He's 29. Philip Rivers, uh, Rivers is retired. Philip Lindsay, right? <laughs> Philip Lindsay is, um, was he, 26. Mark Ingram is 30. Rex Burkhead just signed. So who is the running back, if you have to pick one, that you are going to roster? These, these are the ideal guys for those no running back redrafts or no running back uh, startup dynasty leagues. These are the guys that you're picking between. So who do you want? Let's start with Brian. So this is a tough one. Like you said, Johnson's 29. He's the incumbent. This is where my old school mind of redraft would, would probably go with Johnson. I still think Lindsay will get his opportunities this year, but Lindsay's the younger when he's 26. And in each of his first two years, he caught 35 passes out of the backfield. So he's got some upside in PPR leagues as well. So I think long-term dynasty, I've got to, I've got to go with the slightly younger guy, Lindsey. Um, and his yards per carry has been, been pretty good through his first three seasons too. So, you know, like I said, Johnson's your starter. He's the incumbent. So they'll go back to the old school guy. But I don't know they're how gonna, much that he really offers. So They're going to need, well, it's those receptions, which you said Lindsey can handle too. They're going to need those chunk plays though, right? And that's Philip Lindsey. Do you think Mark Ingram, because he played for uh, the head coach out there in Baltimore, do you think he has any value? Rex Burkhead is going to be relegated to big plays. Now, he did play great for the Patriots in limited action, but this is fantasy. This isn't real NFL. And if you can only count on six or seven touches, uh, that's not something of note. But do you think Mark Ingram is dust? He's just there as a locker room guy? Or do you think he's going to play a little bit like Adrian Peterson did for the Detroit Lions last year? I think he's, I think he's still got something in him. I mean, it's, he didn't get a chance last year. year before last, he was really good. But keep in mind, we're still dealing with the Texans. And like you said, if he gets eight to ten touches, what value is there there? I don't know. He'd have to take it over, right? That's what I'm asking. Does he have a chance of taking it over? Uh, I know you love hearing that Philip Lindsay has receiving chops because I dogged you so hard. It was a, it was an inside joke that became an outside joke. You know, it's like when you're using your outside voice inside. Uh, but Philip Lindsay, man, 26 years old, couple thousand yard seasons, 30 plus catches. I mean, if he was in college, he'd be a, he'd be a high draft pick, but he's not. He's a pro and he plays for the Texans. Does he or Johnson or Ingram or Burkhead? Have any place on your dynasty roster, any at all? Yeah, I think the top two are the ones that I'm looking at, right? David Johnson and Philip Lindsay are the only two I'm interested in rostering right now. And and I, I got to agree with Brian. To me, David Johnson is going to be given the reins to do what he did through the first seven weeks last year. He was top 15 through seven weeks. He was getting the volume. He was getting some catches. He was getting the work. Uh, so I think that's what you're looking for is the opportunity. Now, the problem is most likely that team's going to be down and they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. So is he going to get the volume that he got last year with a Deshaun Watson at the helm? Probably not. So then what does that what does that receiving work look like? Is it going to go to Philip Lindsay? Are they going to leave David Johnson on the field? Are they going to use Rex Burkhead to come in and get his three receptions for three touchdown kind of game, yeah. you know, that you saw from the, from the <laughs> new England Patriots. So it's, it's a little tough to say, but the reason I want to roster Philip Lindsay is because David Johnson hasn't been able to stay healthy. 
And if he's not healthy, Philip Lindsay is explosive. There is a world, in my opinion, where David Johnson goes down and Philip Lindsay earns himself a contract with the Houston Texans because the guy is very, very good at football. So that's why I personally would be looking to go try to acquire a Philip Lindsay now when there's still the question marks and you don't know. And then that first opportunity that he gets to be the starter, you try to move him at that point. That's going to have to be a team friendly contract because they're not going to want to pay a 27 year old running back on a rebuild team. They, they gave up a lot for David Johnson. <laughs> we've seen that where well, they weren't rebuild. They were trying to win. He was, he was coaching for his job and he thought he was doing the right thing. That poor bastard. So, but Philip Lindsay, man, he could get a contract. We just saw Austin Eckler get one was like three and a half million a year. Like that happens. That happens. So it's going to be interesting. He, he definitely can get one more year as they draft somebody, but there's way too many agreements. I want some friction on the shelves. So we're going to do some, some trade things off the top, right? Would you rather have as a contender? Cause as a rebuild, you're just going to take youth. So I'm not dealing with that as a contender. At least you're in the middle of the pack. You're trying to get over the hump. Michael Carter or the combination of David Johnson and Philip Lindsay. I'll start with Brad. Cause he said, this is the time to go get Phil. I would probably take David Johnson and Philip Lindsay. How about you, Brian? How you feeling? Michael Carter or the combo of the Houston backfield? Well, to be arbitrary, I'll go with Michael Carter. I, I actually, in a lot of ways, I would go with the Texans, but I, I think the opportunity for touches will, st will still be there with Michael Carter. So it's going to be the question, which one's going to be the better offense? You know, it, either way you go, they're not going to be great offense. I'll, I'll actually go with, with um, the rookie quarterback having a little bit better offense than the Texans. So Okay. How about the two uh, Texans guys and Kader for Kadarius Tony? How do you feel about that, Brian? I don't like Kadarius Tony, so that one's to me. That's a fair, fairly easy. That's a hoping. fairly easy question there. Um, okay. In all honesty, he's pretty. He's pretty well depth. Yeah, I was trying to get you. I was trying to. I was trying to get you to say some shit. One more. Uh, twenty twenty two second, probably in the middle. Twenty twenty two second, or David Johnson, Philip Lindsay. Who are you taking, Brian? I'll go the second round pick. I'd, okay. ra I'd rather go with the unknown than the than the currently known. I like that. That's why you went with Michael Carter, too. He's a second-round pick. How about you, Brad? Are you going to change your mind? Are you still taking the two guys with the on the Texans? Nope, taking the two guys for the second, especially in next year's class. It's going to be interesting. That is, too, because it's been dogged like the 2019 class is being dogged, and we've seen that turn out just fine. There are still some guys. Sure. It's going to be top-heavy as hell, but there are still some dudes out there that they play, they put on their pads, you know, same as everybody else. Let's move on to the wide receivers here. Um, they got a slew of guys, and they got Brandon Cooks. Is there anybody there that has any relevance as far as fantasy? You got Brandon Cooks. You've got uh, Nico Collins, who they just drafted. You've got Kiki Kuti, who we saw in um, was it week week um, fifteen? No, week thirteen against Indy. I knew because it was a big DFS thing. Brian and I did a DFS thing. We both had Kiki. Uh, eight reception for 141 when he did see more than 50% of the snaps from week 11 on didn't play a snap period before that. And they got Isaiah Coulter, I believe that's Coulter, how you say Coulter. it. Is yep. there anybody, cause this is where you're going to get this sneaky upside. This is where you're going to get the trash, the garbage time, all those targets because they're always losing. Which one of these guys do we want to own? Uh, let's start with Brad because I know Brian has some specific thoughts that I can't wait to hear. Start with Brad. Uh, I I'm going to go with the easy one. I'm still a big Brandon Cooks guy. But this guy, to me, is like a Jarvis Landry. He just gets disrespected nonstop. The guy's always produced. He's changed offenses. He's changed quarterbacks 
over and over and over. And I believe over again, there's four times that he's done it. And he continues to be a top 16 wide receiver every year. Now he had that fluky year, a year and a half ago with concussions and this and that, but that's the first time he's missed any kind of significant time with something. And he's always producing on the field because the dude is fucking great at football. He's just a really damn good player. Now, I don't know that wide receiver 16 is in the cards for him this year with Tyrod Taylor. He's only produced a top 20 wide receiver one time in his career. And that was uh, Sammy Watkins in 2015. And he was the wide receiver 17. So his Tyrod Taylor's best wide receiver finish was the lowest was below any finish that Brandon cooks has had outside of that concussion written year that he had two years ago. I think that's his ceiling. As, as much as it pains me to say, I think that's his ceiling right now. I think he could fall all the way down to a wide receiver three. I could see that in the realm of possibility. So he's a very volatile player, but I love him as a player. So it's, it's tough, but I'm not going to go with a rookie when I've got a guy like Brandon Cook sitting there for me that I know is going to be the target hog for the quarterback. Yeah, but this is about price point at this point, right? And you just high, you just alluded to it. What's Brandon Cook's upside? He's the best wide. He's the only wide receiver for the Texans this year. He's the only wide receiver, especially after Randall Cobb left town. Uh, but he's played with a bunch of quarterbacks. So let's just list them. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Jared Goff for the Rams, and Deshaun Watson. So, yeah, he's had a ton of success. Can he do it with Tyrod and company? Can he do it? Is he worth the price point? That's something we all have to ask ourselves because he's attainable. You might be able to send a high second next year for this guy, uh, especially in those super flex with 10 starters where you might actually want to do it. Uh, Brad, finish this out, and then is there anybody outside of him that you do actually want to obtain? Is there anybody outside of him that actually is worth it? Because we know Nico and Kiki and Coltair are all there. They're all available. Some of them are on waivers. Are you actually going to go get one of these guys? Yeah, I mean, Nico's the guy for me with the upside, right? He's a rookie. He's got speed. We saw what guys from Michigan could do in flashes with a Donovan Peoples-Jones. And I would argue to say that Nico Collins is better than Donovan Peoples-Jones was. So there's a world where the upside that Nico Collins gives you in the future, not necessarily this year, is what you're looking to go try to get. But as far as Brandon Cooks is concerned, the 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 value is there. You can get him crazy cheap. I tried to move him for Brian Edwards in a second and got told no. You've seen trades on DLF where he's gone for Adam Humphreys and two fourth round picks. That is dirt cheap. Would any of you not take that trade? Would you not choose the Brandon Cook side in that trade? In the second one, but I would keep the second over Brandon Cooks. And so Brian Edwards is not a throwing, but I know why you're doing it. I know why yep. you're doing it because we see the Twitter <laughs> posts. Uh, Brian, wh which side are you on? Do you think Brandon Cooks is just way too undervalued? Is he somebody you actually want to obtain? And then I want you to talk to me about the other guys because I know you have a good opinion. Well, I, I agree with I agree with Brad on, on the um, Cooks, to be honest with you. I got him pretty late in a startup with um, – I think it was somewhere maybe seventh or eighth round. I mean, it was, it was low. I don't anticipate it being top 20 like it has been, but at the same time at that price point, all you're really asking for is a wide receiver three or a flex pretty much. I mean, just somebody have some value to put in your lineup. He's definitely going to have that. And then, like you said, in terms of the other guys, we've been, Nico Collins has been mentioned, 
I was kind of surprised. And when I look in the film and everything, he's 6'4", runs a 4'4", which just kind of was off the charts to me. And he said that last year due to COVID. So he, he's dynasty-wise, he's got a lot of long-term value. But the, the other one that was mentioned last year was Coulter. I know most people don't even know who he is. I don't blame him. I didn't really know until I started doing the digging. In a dynasty very late round, I picked him up in one of my leagues. He may not amount to anything, but I think he's got opportunity. And Cooks won't always be with the Texans. They've even talked about moving him at some point in time. So. Yeah. So, Nico, 4-4-3, right? 40 unofficial pro day. Michigan, not really producing, gets a bump. When do they select him? Fourth round? Fourth, Fourth round? round, I believe, yeah. It was pretty much their last pick, though. So, it was a big pick for them. Uh, Colter is on a ton of my teams mainly because he got injured so early I could put him on injured reserve for most of the year, if not in the taxi. Uh, Coulter, he's, he's a sixth-round pick, I believe. Let's make sure. Let's make sure. He was a fifth. He's a fifth-round pick, 171 overall. He runs a 4-4-5-40, okay? And he's 6-3. So what's the difference between him and Nico, honestly, besides the hype and the fact that Nico is a rookie? So I'm kind of on, on the fence here because I think it's Brandon Cooks or Bust, and I don't want to pay up for Brandon Cooks. There's so many other guys on other offenses I want to go get. But this is a team that I probably need to pick a guy and go get him. Because I will be playing, when we play DFS, I will 100% be plugging Texans into my lineups. Because they're going to be dirt cheap. I mean, fucking dirt cheap. We wrote an article about starting from the bottom to the top. Again, fffair.com. Check that out. And... It, it talks about roster construction, how to spend your budget, how to scout play. It's, it's everything you need to know for beginnings and pros, right? And just just theory, no practice, just theory. And it, uh, the Texans are the definition of that. They are value all over the place. So I actually do want David Johnson, Brandon Cooks, and then I want whoever's free out of the other guys, right? Let's move on here to the last team. I don't know. We got the Colts and the Jags. Let's move on to the Colts. Colts are fun. Colts have Jonathan Taylor. They got Naheem Hines. Marlon Mack is back from his Achilles. Uh, I hope he's I hope he's great. I hope he's ready to play. But this is Jonathan Taylor's team. They have T.Y. Hilton signed for a one-year deal. They have Michael Pittman, who they selected over Jonathan Taylor last year in the second. They still have Paris Campbell was there. Zach Pascal comes back. But this all starts. It's the offensive line is great. The defense is great. This all starts and ends with Carson Wentz. Is Carson Wentz toast? Because last year for the Eagles, no one was open. I'll give him that. It wasn't good, but for fantasy, it was still solid. We talked about this on the last show. Carson Wentz was putting up 18 and a half points a game. So are we in on Carson Wentz rising from that? Do we think he's going to be heavily successful? Are they going to run the ball too much? How do we feel about the Colts, Brad? How do we feel about Wentz and the Colts? I actually really like him right now. I've gotten a couple offer. I've got him in a, in a few dynasty leagues, not all of them, but a few and gotten some fairly decent offers. And I'm holding because I really believe that his value in season is going to rise. He's got some decent weapons. T.Y. Hilton is still very solid receiver. I love, love, love Paris Campbell, who will talk about Michael Pittman's got some upside. They've got Jonathan Taylor. They've got an excellent offensive line. You saw Phillip Rivers excel in that offense. Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Fame quarterback. I'm not comparing Carson Wentz to that. But 
you've seen quarterbacks produce in that system in the one and only year that they've been there. So who's to say that Carson Wentz, who is going to a coach that he's familiar with, who they've talked about, hey, we're going to try to get the ball out of his hands quickly. A lot of people are arguing, oh, he had no time to throw last year, which is not necessarily the case. He was about the middle of the pack in time to throw. So he was making some really bad decisions when given time. He felt the pressure and didn't know what to do. So I think Frank Reich is going to be able to figure out how to make put him in situations that he's very productive in. And I, 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 like I said, I think there's huge upside with him because you can get him absolutely dirt cheap right now. And the offers that I were getting were not not the greatest. So what's, what's uh, I, I would try to. I think you could easily get him for a second round pick. Carson easily. Wentz in a super flex league. Yes. No. Yes. No dice. How about you give up if, a first and a second tops, in 2022? Would you do that for Carson? Because that might happen. I would take it. You would take Carson. Or you I would take, take a first. A first no, I would take a first and second. Okay. How about Derek Carr in a second for Carson Wentz? Maybe Kirk Cousins. Let's do that. He's a little sexier name. We love Carr, but Kirk Cousins in a second or Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. Okay. I think that the fantasy community agrees with you. All right. And so I think it's it's tougher to obtain him than than you would expect. I think Jalen Hurd is absurdly overly valued but Carson Wentz go look it up I see the look on your face DLF is going to give us some some trades but you're going to see some crazy stuff on there but in my league Carson Wentz is is valued appropriately Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan Brad which one you got Matt Ryan okay so that is the pushing point this guy's in a rebuild the other guy's in a win now and he thinks that Carson Wentz is better than Matt Ryan because of age I don't know whatever he just lost Julio so that doesn't help so let's go to Brian here. Carson Wentz reuniting with Frank Wright. He's only thrown for 4,000 yards once. That was in 2019. He's only played a full season twice. That was 2019 and his rookie year, 016. But when Frank Wright was there in 2017, before he blew out his entire knee, 13 games, Carson Wentz was the MVP of the league. It was written in the stars. It was going to happen. Do you think Carson Wentz is going to bounce back, Brian? Do you think this is going to happen? Is there something we should be going and getting? Yeah, this is definitely not the end of the road for Wentz. Now, will he bounce back to 2019? I don't see that. But compared to last year, I mean, being frank, last year was a complete shit show in Philadelphia. So I simply, I mean, he's got to improve from that. So I'm projecting him for somewhere, you know, kind of kind of a seasonal average for him would be like 23 touchdowns, maybe 3,500 yards. Yeah. You know, that's not awesome, but he's not going to be like last year. No way. So if he throws for 3,500 yards and, and 23 touchdowns, I mean, he's the middle of the road QB two. He's got to make it up with his legs. Do you think he can do that in that offense? Because they know they have checked down to Hines. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's got some receiving chops. Paris Campbell underneath. They don't really have a, they got T.Y. Hilton as a deep threat, but outside of that, they don't have a whole lot. So do you think Carson's going to run the ball more uh, or the same as he did in Philly? Um, or do you think he's going to revert to chucking it all over the field because he's got that old line? He could definitely check it around. I don't I don't see him personally, I don't see him as a top twelve. I see him right outside of that. And I'd still be willing to take a shot. It's always possible against top twelve, but you know, I see him for sure top fifteen. So I'd be willing to take a shot on that. Yeah. It's not that it's not that big of a difference between quarterback twelve and quarterback twenty even. Let's see. The difference between twelve and twenty was was forty three points last year. And that was Phillip Rivers to Matt Ryan. So um and that's, that's 12 to 20. That's out of existence. I mean, th there are some closer comparisons there, but I want to make the, the long spread. So he could sneak in there. 
he's going to need those touchdowns because he's and he's going to need those yards because he's going to lose rushing. Uh, what do you got for me, Brad, as far as trades for Carson Wentz? Yeah, I, I've never – you know your shit, right? I, I'm going to give you that, Eric. You, you've got your shit on lockdown. I've never seen some shit like this before. So you talked about Kirk Cousins. The exact trade that you just mentioned is on here on DLF Trade Finder. So maybe you've Good got trade. DLF Trade Finder up. No, I so you should, said I Kirk Cousins. So Kirk Cousins. Yeah, right. Kirk Cousins for Carson Wentz in a second. Uh, that happened uh, yeah, about a week ago, about eight days ago. Uh, Carson Wentz and T.Y. Hilton for Jalen Hurts in the 303. I'd take Carson Wentz and T.Y. Hilton all day long. Brian? I'm right there with you. That that last one, in regards to Kirk Cousins, I'm kind of surprised that you were getting the pick with Wentz because yeah. even straight up, I'd rather go Wentz than, than yeah, Cousins. Yeah, I, I was saying Cousins in a second. Oh, okay. Cousins and a second to go to Carson. I mean, because because that's what you're that's what you're looking to do. Because the other guy might be like, I'll get similar production. He's got Justin Jefferson, and I'll get a second round pick. So if you're gonna go get your guy, you usually have to pay up. So I'm thinking that guy wanted Kirk Cousins. And so how do you pay up for Kirk Cousins? So he gave him a little bit something on top. Uh, what else yeah. we got? Uh, some of these other ones are rather large. So it's got Carson Wentz, a first and two seconds for Trevor Lawrence, uh, which I'd, I'd take probably Trevor Lawrence all day long on that one. This one is gross. Uh, Carson Wentz and Robert Woods for Terry McLaurin. And that's really it. Another one is like eight different players. So it makes it really hard to kind of evaluate what Carson Wentz's value is in a trade like that. Yeah, it becomes a giant, a giant opinion based thing and a, and a Twitter right. feed and, and all sorts of people start getting butthurt. That's what happens when you start posting trades that are way too big. They're like, no, nah, I can't fucking throw Chase Edmonds away. That's Hopkins was in there. That's what, okay. That's what you're hung on. All right, man. All right. Fair enough. Uh, we're going to move on from Carson Wentz. He's got the O-line. He's got the upgrade. As far as time and weapons, at least, because really last year, I mean, he's throwing to Greg Ward. Zach Ertz is hurt. Goddard got punched in a bar, so he's down. Miles Sanders, severely disappointing, though. He did have those huge plays, but now he's got Jonathan Taylor, right? Deshaun Jackson was hurt. Now he's got T.Y. Hilton, so he's got the same kind of setup there. And, yeah, man, he's got, he's got the upgrades. Let's talk about his weapons. T.Y. Hilton is 31. Pittman's 23. Paris Campbell's 23, drafted two years ago. Out of these guys, we're going to leave Pascal on the back burner and on the waiver wire. Out of these guys, at their current price point, who do you want? I mean, Pittman's definitely going to be the most expensive. He was a second last year. He flashed a little bit, just a teeny tiny bit. He put up 19 in week 10, 15 in week 11. I mean, got five targets a, a whole bunch of times down the stretch between 9 and 17. So who do you want out of these guys? Let's start with Brian. Hilton, Pittman, Campbell at their price point because we're, we pretty much know what they're worth, right? You're going to get Paris for a second. You're going to get Hilton for a couple of thirds. Definitely get him for a second. And, and Michael Pittman's going to cost you a player and, and a replacement second, like a Brian Edwards in a second. So out of these guys, who do you want? I think it's important. We, we, we found a recent uh, ADP. Um, both both uh, Hilton and also um, Pittman were, eighth, were in the eighth round, whereas Campbell's in the 12th. And the thing, key thing to me, I actually, I know I'm probably going to be in the minority, but overall, I don't mind Campbell as my number one out of those three. And if you give me him four rounds later, I don't even think it's a question. In the um, first game, he, he got hurt in the second game of the year last, second game of the year last year. In the very first game, he tied the team, 
team lead with nine targets, had six catches for 71 yards. Like I said, that was a tie for the targets with, I believe it was Hilton. And both Hilton, Hilton and, and Pittman had their games last year. But in terms of upside, I'd much rather go Campbell at, the, at that lower ADP. So, Yeah, these ADPs are off DLF again. Okay, so it's just they take so many different things into account. And it's a general baseline. It's not what it's going to be like in your league because there's going to be all the variations, but it's a nice average. And to see T.Y. and Michael Pittman in the same round, I'm thinking this is probably redraft. Like, why would you take T.Y. Hilton in the eighth of the dynasty? The 802, that seems so high. Maybe it one, maybe it's one quarterback. I don't know. It seems crazy high. But let's ask you, Brad, out of these three, who do you want? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to agree with Brian. I'm going with Paris Campbell and I, I'm from Paris with love, man. A little homage to a John Travolta movie, an article I wrote back in uh, around October time frame of last year on why you should go look at Paris Campbell and, and for your dynasty team. So if you're interested, go to fffair.com, take a look. It's a good article. I'm kind of biased because I wrote it. So take that with a grain of salt. But here's the deal. Paris Campbell is a really damn good football player. This guy is very quick, very fast, and has a good route tree. Brian alluded to it. He was one of the top target hogs in that one week, right, that we got to see him play with Phillip Rivers. So now he's going with another new quarterback. We hope that he builds the same type of rapport with a Carson Wentz, but the guy's explosive, right? You talk about six catches for 71 yards. That's eh, that's okay, but the upside to him is that any of those plays he could have taken to the house. That's the upside with Paris Campbell. He's not going to be a huge target hog, but he's going to be a guy who's going to break some plays for you. So I love him in things like best ball drafts and things of that nature uh, for dynasty. I'd still be looking to add him now while he's cheap, right? People are going to be low because they're going to be high on Michael Pittman and he's the alpha and TY's coming back and Carson Wentz is bad. And Jonathan Taylor, they want to run the ball. So you can get Paris Campbell for cheap. I would say, go get him, stash him, wait for him to blow up. And if you don't believe that he's going to continue to progress, then you move him. I'm personally going to hold him for a little while because I think he is the real deal and I want to see him produce. So we saw Greg Ward be very valuable, right? And we've seen Deshaun Jackson just have absolute blow up games. If he could just stay healthy for a whole year, I wonder what would have happened with Carson Wentz. I just wonder. So you got Hilton there and you got Campbell underneath, right? But I saw Elshon Jeffrey, and I'm not saying Michael Pittman is nearly as good as Elshon was because when he was in Chicago, I'm a Lions fan. I watched him. He was driving me fucking nuts. He wouldn't be open. He catch a touchdown. He was like Calvin Johnson without the physical frame and athleticism, but he still had those results. Um, Michael Pittman's going to fill that. He's going to be the X. He's going to be the X. They are going to single him up, and the other defense is going to be totally cool with letting him run one-on-one. Anybody that likes Amon Ross St. Brown should like Michael Pittman. He's got a better situation. He's got targets available. He's got a similar quarterback. I mean, we're both looking back a couple years, and a couple years ago they were awesome. And um, he's just in a better spot, man. He's just in a better spot. I don't know if the Colts will be losing as often. Um, but it is what it is. As far as running backs, real quick, Jonathan Taylor, stud muffin, go get him. Naheem Hines coming off RB15. If you're hurting for a running back, because J.D. McKissick bailed a lot of people out last year. These are PPR leagues. These are the kind of things that you can get away with, right, as your RB3 that you fill in. Is Naheem Hines somebody that you would actually 
go out of your way to trade for. Now you're not going to give up a lot, but it would be one of those lateral moves, you know, like, um, I don't know. I'll give you Robert Woods for Landry and Hines, that kind of thing, or vice versa. I'll give you Landry for Woods and Hines. Like one of those lateral moves where you think it's similar in your eyes, but either way, but you get him thrown in. Is there, are you guys trying to go get Naheem Hines or even Marlon Mack at all? Brad? Yeah, I think there's, you know, if you look at Carson Wentz's history, there's times he's thrown to the running back almost a hundred targets a year. That's enough for Naeem Hines to be a value on your dynasty team, a valuable trade target in season for a contender who's looking for a flex play, something like that. So getting him now before that rapport starts to build and you start to see some of those play, cause he's going to get a blow up game, right? He's going to have a game where he's got seven or eight catches for 70 yards and a touchdown and, and people are going to see that and you should be looking to sell him because he's not a guy that if you're in a rebuild, you're trying to build a team around, but he is a guy who can help you win a championship. So I would definitely be looking to try to obtain him in certain situations. Yeah. They say that there's only two guys that are trying to get the ball in their hands. That's T Y Hilton and Naheem Hines. All right. Week one, eight receptions and a touchdown. That's 27 points against Jacksonville. He did it again. Week eight, put up 21, caught two, two touchdowns on three catches for 54 yards against my lions in the Tennessee man. Right, five catches and a score, 12 rushing attempts, 70 and a score, absolutely torched them, put up double digits uh, pretty much half the time. So he's got some value, right? That's why he's RB15 in PPR. Brian, are you trying to go get Naheem Hines? It's all about price point, as it always is. Do I expect him to be RB15 like last year? Not really. Um, you know, Marlon Mack is coming back. I think that'll be a little bit of a dent in the value. I'm guessing without knowing that Wilkins may be, may be somewhere floating on the sideline. But uh, the big thing is I just don't see the RB15. But at the same time, you don't have to have to buy him at RB15 from last year either. I think his value is probably less expensive than that. And he's certainly worth picking up in certain options. I mean, he could be a flex if nothing else for you. So, Yes, yeah, he's, he's at bye week filling. He's at safety net. The problem with Hines is if Jonathan Taylor gets hurt, Hines is not the workhorse. He's not going to all of a sudden jump up to top echelon. He's not Tony Pollard. He's not Madison. He's not even Daryl Henderson. He's not going to get the full workload. But you mentioned Wilkins, right? And you mentioned Mac, and you, and you said that might, that might eat into his workload. Do you think, I mean, Naheem Hines is a pass catcher, right? So he's the third down, third and long, second and long. I mean, that's what he does. So he won't get as many touches, didn't have that many carries anyways. Do you think there's a chance that Jonathan Taylor takes a step forward and takes some of his receptions away, Brian? Is that something that you could see happening? I could see that happening in some ways because towards the towards the latter part of last year, Taylor continued to get more and more work. So that's that's always a possibility. Like I said, Hines is fine. I, I don't love him at our, like last year's value. I just can't because he had five touchdowns last year. You know, touchdowns are kind of arbitrary. They don't always come come around every year like that. So yeah, I could I could see lots of things eating eating into Hines's value. To be perfectly honest. All right, man. Let's move on to the tight end situation here. Uh, they got Jack Doyle, Mo Alley Cox, some guy named Noah Tagoye, and Jordan Thomas, who I'm, I gotta say is from the Texans. Just, just looking up the depth chart because it's Jack Doyle and Dust to me. Uh, any of these guys have value? Brad, talk to me about what Carson Wentz, how he uses his tight ends, and why there's real value here. 
Yeah, there's definitely value there. You, if you go back the last three years with Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles, let's go back to 2018. 2018, they led the NFL in tight end targets. The target share for the tight end position was over 37%. 37%. That is incredible. That's a lot of volume for anybody. It doesn't matter how good you are. The volume alone is going to drive your value up. Then they follow that up in 2019 with second place. And you're like, oh, man, it went down. Actually, their utilization went up. It was over 38% target share for their tight ends. And then 2020, last year, he was at about just over 29% target share to the tight ends. And that's only through the 12 games that he started. We, You know, I didn't look at, you know, Jalen Hurts and his starts because that's kind of moot for the conversation we're talking about right now. So Carson Wentz likes to target the tight end. If he's got a tight end that he believes in and that he trusts and that he's got his rapport with, the targets are going to be there. So the question is, is that Mo Cox or is that Jack Doyle? I personally believe the upside is there with a Mo Cox over a Jack Doyle. The, the opposite end of that spectrum, though, is Jack Doyle is the pass blocker. He's the guy who's going to be protecting. He's the guy who's going to be in on, on uh, passing downs to block. He's also a decent receiver. So is he the guy? I, like I said, I'm personally a Mo Alley Cox guy. I think he's more, uh, di- a little bit more dynamic. He's just a monster of a man. So you just throw the ball eight feet in the air and he can just reach up above everybody and grab it, you know, snatch it out of thin air. But uh, there's definitely value out of the tight end position. And you got to think they might be looking to add, I don't know, maybe a Zach Ertz who the Philadelphia Eagles are trying to move. Uh, but uh, you got to think they might add to that room as well. Man, I hope they add Ertz. I've been calling for that for three months. At this point, I've given up hope. Man, I hope it happens. I think Doyle is Ertz light. It's like mm. you heard 2.0. He's like Ertz negative 3.0. Uh, how you feeling, Brian? Do you like Jack Doyle or Mo Alley Cox? I'm going to throw out a third name. I, I definitely think it's between those two. But in Dynasty, one thing to keep in mind is that they drafted a they drafted a tight end out of SMU, Kylan Granson. So, you know, long-term, he may have, he may have the value. Uh, Doyle was, I think, 31 years old. Short-term, I kind of agree with Brad. I mean, once again, when you get down to this point, we're not talking about a, a, a tight end one here. We're looking lower tight end two um, type, type of production. The biggest thing is Wentz has been awesome to tight ends. I don't think you can pick just one, but for tight ends, I'll go with Cox. I'm going, um, Jack. Okay, go ahead. Finish it out. Sorry, buddy. It's such a, but it's such a tough call. I would, I don't really love either one of, them, but I see tight end production in the room anyway. I'm going Doyle. I'm going Doyle hard. 2016, 75 targets, tight end 13. Okay, he just pretty much took over the job. He finally gets starts playing snaps. 2017, Andrew Luck, 108 targets, caught 80 of them. Didn't even have 700 yards. He just catches it, falls down. He's got baby hands. Tight end seven. Okay. 2018, he almost dies because his kidney is lacerated. He's, it's tough. Tough to come back. 2019, okay, comes back from that, has to rework it in and earn his gig. Uh, I believe Andrew Luck played in 2019, right? Did he retire in 2019? Somebody look yes, that up. Yes, because wasn't, wasn't Brissett. Didn't Brissett start okay, that year? Okay, so it's Jacoby Brissett, and he's and he yeah, you're right, you're right, because they had Brissett for a year before they went and got yeah. Philip. So he's got J- Jacoby Brissett, 
and he's coming back and he's crazy tiny. I mean, this guy's 6'6", 260 something. He's playing at like 248. He's trying to get, like he's working out, right? He's, he's eating protein. He's eating eggs like four times a day. He's trying to get back from being straight up laid up. Tight end 15. Okay, last year, he's got Phillip Rivers and they run the shit out of the ball. I mean, the shit out of it. And Jack Doyle is still working his way back. So he finally has a quarterback that has Andrew like Andrew Luck type upside. It's not luck. We believe he's going to have a good season. He heavily targets the tight end, as Frank Wright loves to do. It just seems teed up for Jack Doyle at age 31 to have a really productive tight end eight or nine season. Now, I did say this going into 2020, and it did not pan out. Mo Ali Cox turns out can move. The big man can move, all right? So it's going to be interesting to see. But they're, in those 16-team leagues, right, I'm going to get Jack Doyle. Look, not everybody has Kittle or Waller. Like, it is what it is. And there's nobody on the waiver wire. Like, I have Austin Hooper in a league, and I'm fucking pumped for it. I just traded for Tyler Higby. I went out of my way to get Tyler Higby, all right? Dan Campbell. No, not Dan Campbell. Dan Arnold, 100% on any team I get him on. So Jack Doyle fits that bill, man. He fits that bill for me. Uh, one thing we do know about the Colts, there's no debate here, is that Carson Wentz is going to have to change numbers because Michael Pittman ain't giving it up. We talked about A.J. Brown and Julio. Yeah, Michael Pittman's like, no, nah, man, I had my reps. Yeah, I don't know who you are, kid. You can change yours. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic. So so one thing I do want to add real quick is they did give Mo Alley Cox a second round tender, right? So they wanted to keep this kid on the team. So I think there's a chance that that's part of the reason I look at that and say, I think this guy's going to get more reps than his 39 targets that he yeah, got last yeah. year. They're going to bring this guy in. They, they see value in the opportunity that he may give. So uh, that's another thing that kind of feeds into that to, to take into account. One, one last thing, one last thing we kind of forgot and we haven't hit, mentioned him. Trey Burton had 40, had 47 targets last year and he's a free agent. So he's an unsigned free agent. So don't forget those. That's, that's 47 vacated plus Wentz is added going to add some as well. So, you know, there's production somewhere. Yeah. We're looking for a hundred. We're looking for anybody on that team that's going to get a hundred targets and they're going to be a value. They're going to be a value. Jonathan Taylor or bust though for the Colts. Uh, let's move on here to our last team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. This one's fun. This one's fun. It's a hot new item. We got Urban Meyer. We got Trevor Lawrence. We got DJ Chark, Levitica Chenault. Everybody loves the shit out of him. ETN and James Robinson in the backfield. Marvin Jones is the vet. They got a nice coordinator out there. Um, his name eludes me, but I can literally see him because he was our interim coach for a little while. Uh, is it DeBall? Brian Dable? No. Is that who that is? Jaguars. No. Um, I'll Google it real quick. I'm looking, yeah. But they're, fanta they're a fantastic team to talk about, and they're very fun. They're very fun. Let's start with Trevor Lawrence. How do we think Trevor Lawrence is going to do as a rookie? Do we think he's going to tear it up? Do we think there's a learning curve? How does Urban Meyer, like, translate to the NFL? I know there's a lot to unpack there because we saw Chip Kelly come and we know that Trevor's generational and sterile bevel. Nice. So it's supposed to be great. So how do we see this playing out for Trevor Lawrence year one? Because we know that long-term, there's no way we're going to suddenly be out on him. 
Let's start with Brad and then go right into Brian. How do you think Trevor Lawrence does year one? I think he's set up for success to start immediately. He's got two excellent running backs, one in a ground and pound kind of guy like James Robinson and one in a pass catcher like Travis Etienne. They've got wide receivers coming out of their ass right now, right? Colin Johnson is the bottom of that roster, and we liked what we saw out of that 6'6 receiver out of Texas, right? He's got some upside, and he's the fourth receiver on the team, if not the fifth, right? So then you look at where they've got their other guys. They've got LaVisca Chenault in the slot. They've got DJ Shark as the speed guy on the outside. They've got Marvin Jones on the opposite end as that red zone down the field threat as well. So I, I think they've got the weapons to be successful. The question is really around Urban Meyer and and Brian. I you know where where's your head at with Urban? It's too early to tell. I mean, we don't have any any kind of history to bank on. So I don't know. I mean, he 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 seems too busy here lately with wrestling videos. I saw one yeah, on YouTube. I saw that. A wrestler came into his office. So you know, I don't I don't know where his head is, let alone mine. I know where his computer is, though. That's just broken half over that other dude's head. I don't know what's going on with his head. How do you think Trevor Lawrence is going to do this year, though, man? Like, how do you, do you think he's going to throw for north of 25 touchdowns? I'm going to say barely, maybe 27. I'm going to go 3,700 yards. I mean, I don't think he's going to explode. I think he'll be decent. One thing to keep in mind, the Jags had 616 pass attempts last year. They just didn't have anybody that could pass. That's kind of the problem, but you know, if he gets that kind of kind of opportunity, he'll definitely be up be up north of twenty five. I would imagine. Matt Riser, Matty Daddy, our founding father, just got like a little hype train with the wrestling, and there's absolutely gut punch with the Gardner Minshew just dog. Look, they should have started Minshew all year, buddy. They should have. They would have won more than one game. They wouldn't have Trevor Lawrence, and that's why they didn't. Minshew mania was a real thing, people. I grew a mustache. I mean, I grew it for different reasons, but hey. Fucking love Minshew. So if he throws for 26, 27, I think that's a good mark. He's 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 right there below. He, he might be QB 12. He's right there. That's about what he'll throw a little more touchdowns, a little less yards than like Matt Ryan or um, what's his name? Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins. He'll be right in that area, right? So I think that's fair. Who's going to catch the rock, man? Who's the guy that's going to blow up? They got DJ Chark in a contract year that's kind of being a baby, but hey, Trevor can make all that go away. If you put it in the right spot, we saw two years prior, he didn't have a single drop. Last year looked like a mental thing to me. He looked pissed, right, because they can't get him the ball. Uh, they bring in Marvin Jones, special part of my heart. You know, I hope he has a great, great uh, season so he can get another payday at age 31, though. And LaVishka Chenault, the hot item. They also have ETN. Is ETN going to be a wide receiver? We'll ask that next. So out of these wide receivers, who's going to blow up, Brad? Who's going to go get it? Is it Chark? Is it Marvin, the value player? Or is it Chenault, the overpriced slot guy that if he hits, man, the Twitterverse is going to just, they're never going to let it go. It's t I want to say Chenault because I love the talent, right? But if you look at Trevor Lawrence's tendencies, Amari Rogers wasn't a huge part of that offense in Clemson until T Higgins was gone and Justin Ross was hurt and, and these things happened. So I've got to go with DJ Shark. I think the kid is much better than what it looked like last year. Like you said, he was in his own head. He was pissed that that team was tanking. He likes Gardner Minshew. He did not, I don't think he liked the move away from him. So 
I see DJ Shark as a guy who can bounce back, a guy who can he's working for a payday also, right? He's a, he's essentially in a contract year is the way that I'm going to look at it, right? Similar oh, to those NBA players and, and things of that nature. This guy's playing for a contract. He's going to come out on fire in my, in, in my belief. So he's the guy that I'm looking to try to obtain out of the three of them. However, I don't think he's the value play. I think Marvin Jones is probably the value play, right? He's 31 year, 30, 31 years old, something like yeah. that. Guys are going to look at him and be like, okay, he's an older guy, but if you're in a win now, if you can move a second or even a third for a Marvin Jones, I'm doing that all fucking day long because there's a chance, there's a world where he's double-digit touchdowns in this offense. Marvin Jones or DJ yeah, Chuck? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. He had nine yeah. in a couple of seasons, and he yep. was just wide receiver 18. He is the value play. Uh, but Chuck is 100% playing for – he's not playing for a contract and money. He's playing for his NFL career. Like yep. it's on the line now. He went from hottest item to a guy that is 100% put on notice by the head coach. Urban Meyer has said shit. Every time he says something, I'm like, what the? Somebody get the mic away from him and hire him a PI guy that just follow, or girl and just follows him around, keeps his coffee hot and says things for him because the guy's foot is so far in his mouth. I don't know how he got it out of his ass to get it there. Okay. So let's talk. DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, and LaVisca Chenault, Brian. Out of these three guys, we know Marvin's kind of, he's the value play. Chark's the hot item from a year ago, and Chenault's the hot item now. Which of these guys do you actually want on your roster? I would have to go with Chark just because he led the team in targets last year, but unfortunately only caught 50, 57% of those targets. So, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't re require much to go from 57% to a respectable 64, 65%. If he continues to lead this team in targets, which I think he will, I would go with Chark. All right, man. I'm still over here, Team Marvin. I don't know. I don't know. I've never believed in Lavishka Chanel. Brad, can you tell me why you love his talent? Because I know he's he's look, he's big. He's 6'2, 220. He's a running back. I'm looking at four, six, seven targets. I'm looking at a couple games at 14. Uh, let's see, he had five touchdowns, but I know one of them was like a, a tip play. You talked about NBA. It was like hit off of the wide receiver, hit off the defensive back. He just happened to be standing in the end zone. I know the quarterback play was abysmal. And Trevor Lawrence is supposed to step that up, and he will in time. And that's why Chenault and Shark are the right answers, right? Because in order for Marvin Jones to really kill it, uh, Trevor's got to come out on fire. He's got to come out hot. He's got to come out, not necessarily Justin Herbert, but definitely somewhere around Baker. He's going to come out throwing yards and touchdowns. And they're going to be losing. They're going to ask him to do that. Right. But he's got to come out and do it. And we know ETN's in the backfield. He's going to eat up some of that. So, why do you like LaVisca Sinault's talent? What do you see on film? I respect your opinion. I respect your process. What do you see on film that I'm missing? The explosion, right? I think he's going to be put in a position to where he's the security blanket for Trevor Lawrence. And, and the guy is explosive with the ball in his hands. He is a yards after the catch guy. Now, I have a special place in my heart for those kind of guys, right? The Debo Samuels of the world, the A.J. Browns, the guys who catch the ball close to the line of scrimmage and just make you look stupid. They, they'll either run past you, they can run through you, they can run around you. I'm not comparing LaVisca Chenault to an A.J. Brown. I see you rubbing your eyebrows over did. there and whatnot. Did. That's his style of play, though, right? They're going to ask him to be close to the line of scrimmage, and they're going to let him work. That's where those guys eat are yards after the catch, and that's his skill set, and I am excited to see it. 
I just don't think he's going to be the primary target. He's going to be that outlet for Trevor Lawrence. So there is going to be value there. There's going to be games that he is more than start worthy. There are going to be DFS games where maybe a Marvin Jones is sitting or DJ shark is sitting and you, and he's the guy, uh, but that, the, the, he's always, he's, I th- believe he's going to give you a solid floor, right? And that's, I love solid floors, on a core of a fantasy team, right? If I can make sure I have solid floors with some of those high value, high ceiling plays, that's when you can have the consistency to move down the, down into the championship. Colin Johnson, does he mean anything to you? I mentioned him earlier. I mentioned him earlier, right? You got a guy who's six, six out of Texas. Uh, we saw some flashes, right? The game against the Browns, for instance, he had some serious yardage in that game. So there's a chance there. I just don't see him beating any of those three guys out. And the fourth option on an offense with a rookie quarterback and two solid ass running backs. I don't, I don't see a lot of value in him, Brian. Yeah. It's not his year this year. That being said, I mean, we are talking dynasty here. So I do, I do anticipate long-term. I mean, Sharp may be moved next year, so he could be one of three next year. So I, I definitely think that Johnson's got long-term. I don't see it short-term. I think it's got to be now or never. DJ Chark leaves with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, it's a pl- big publicity stunt. We just talked about, was it WWE or WWE Raw, whatever it is now, breaking into his office and him always in the media talking. The fact that he was heartbroken, he couldn't have Tony, and now ETN's a third down back, and they signed Tim Tebow, and they have ETN as a wide receiver, and the shitty little two-day rookie thing, right? That's just for the media. You can't not bring in high-profile players. If they want to sell jerseys. Like Khan, have you seen Khan's mustache? We talked about mustache with Gardner. That motherfucker's got a mustache. The owner of the Jaguars, they have a pool in between their two suite levels that people just chill in during NFL games. You can't even fucking see the game in a pool. You're in a pool. It's a bunch of girls in bikinis out there in Florida. It's a PR stunt. So if, if DJ Chark doesn't come back, they're going to go get somebody. Juju, short contract, right? There's going to be a ton of people that are like that because they're going to have money to spend. So I think Colin Johnson's kind of now or never. I, w- I want to say a couple of things. Uh, before we move on to the running backs and get out of here, DJ Chark, 2019, 118 targets, eight touchdowns, PPR leagues, wide receiver 17. Okay, that was with Gardner. 2020, Marvin Jones, 115 targets, nine touchdowns, wide receiver 18. All right, so we know that Trevor Lawrence has got some weapons. And one of those weapons is Travis Etienne. James Robinson last year, spectacular, RB7. PPR and standard RB seven. We're talking north of a thousand yards, seven touchdowns on the ground, 49 catches, three through the air, another 344 yards. I mean, this guy is like 1400 yards, right? And and 10 touchdowns undrafted guy. It shouldn't even really made the team COVID kind of helped him a little bit, holding other people out. The fact that Ozigbo isn't good really sucks because I had him everywhere, but James Robinson versus Travis Etienne. How is this going to play out? Everybody has to know Travis played, with Trevor at Clemson. They picked him in the first round to get that fifth-year option. They went and addressed the position early. And I, the, James Robinson's 22. I think, I think they're the same age. So how does this play out? Because they are definitely tied to the hit for a career. Let's start with Brian. James Robinson and, and Mr. Um, ETN. 
How's this play out for our fantasy listeners? I, I honestly think there's opportunity for both because one thing about the Jags, they're actually missing 243 targets from last year. And I, ATN, when he was in college, averaged four catches per game. So I anticipate, you know, Robinson had 240 carries last year. He won't get that, but I still think he'll lead ATN. But I think ATN will have more out, out of out receiving out of the backfield. So I think there's actually plenty of opportunity for both, especially with the young quarterback. So you think oh, we've seen that a few times where team carries a couple ones, you know, we saw Eckler was a two and, and Melvin was a one. And then the next year Eckler was four and Melvin snuck in there as a two. We, we've seen the, the Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara years, right? We just saw Chubb and Hunt, right? Do you think that's happening or do you think they're both going to kind of eat into each other and they're both going to be twos, like maybe what RB 12 and 13 or something like that, 14 and 15? Or do you think one of them will take over? Or do you somehow think they both sneak into the top 10? I don't think that, I don't think either one are going to be top 10, but I think both are in the RB2 range. I, I see, I anticipate like a Chubb Hunt situation more than anything else because, you know, if one of them gets hurt, then you got a guaranteed RB1 pretty much every week. But I still think there's enough value for both of them could be low-end RB1 to mid to late RB2. I mean, they're, they're going to be where they need to be for your team. And, you know, you have to start most – lineups you have to start two running backs they can both be played yowzers all right man i like it though it makes sense too because it's the same kind of thing now when you had hunt he comes in in the fourth he gets the pass catching that's supposed to be etn getting those receptions so in ppr leagues he's gonna play and james robinson just fucking proved it he's not nick chubb he's not gonna do that but he just proved that he could carry the workload. i think he had 94 percent, 94.2 percent of their running back touches last season that does people don't do that. That's crazy. Never got hurt on a terrible team, a terrible line. We expect that the box will be less loaded this season because they do have deep options and they have quarterback. Bradley, my man, my main man, Brad. This sucks. I had finally talked you into ETN over Harris. I had finally done a draft and I said, I bet he goes to the fucking Bills, dude. What if he goes to Tampa, dude? And then and the Harris goes to the Steelers. I'm like, yeah, we knew that. Jacksonville, how's this playing out, Brad? How's this playing out? So I'm going to start with Daryl Bevel, guy that we were talking about a little bit earlier. You you've seen him put together some solid ass rushing offenses. Whether you look at his time in Minnesota with Adrian Peterson, whether you look at his time in Seattle with Marshawn Lynch, neither of these guys are either of those players. But you've seen Daryl Bevel be able to work with what he's given and produce top ten rushing offenses. You look at a guy who in three years in Minnesota was top ten three years in a row, three out of his five years in rushing attempts. Then you turn around and you see his time in Seattle and he's top five in rushing attempts out of seven years. So the guy is not afraid to run the ball. So the question is, okay, well, what's Urban Meyer going to kind of drive him to want to do? Well, to me, if Urban Meyer's taking a first round running back, most likely they're looking at trying to pound the rock and protect Trevor Lawrence. So, I see a world where James Robinson is getting the bulk of the carries and Travis Etienne is coming in on that third down and any passing down, right? Any, any, uh, you know, into the first half kind of drives where they're going down and trying to score passing type situations. And because of that, you just saw Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines both finish top 15. 
right? So who's to say that James Robinson and Travis Etienne can't be in a similar type of situation where James Robinson's over a thousand yards with seven or eight rushing touchdowns, Travis Etienne's got 60 ish targets and some rushing attempts. It's within the realm of possibility. Now where I'm actually at is there's a new coaching staff. I don't know that they're going to give James Robinson the work that he quite frankly deserves after the performance of last year, new head coach, new offensive coordinator, drafting a running back in the first round. He he's not going to get relegated to the bench, but he's going to lose carries to that running back. So maybe he doesn't get the work that he needs to be over a thousand yards, which is why I'm kind of out on James Robinson. The coaching staff change really, really did it for me, especially on top of drafting a first round running back. Yeah. They also, they say they want to be top eight. Urban said that I'm telling you, get the microphone away from this man, get it away from him. Just stop it. Stop it. Mute him. Okay. Anyways, he says they want to be top eight. They thought they were top eight with James Robinson and Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde went to Ohio state university. He was recruited and played for urban Meyer. He has a role. He is not going to eat into Travis Etienne's time. That is not going to happen. We have a Frank Gore situation on our hands with James Robinson out there. That sucks, man. I don't know what the hell that means. But if somebody is going to take, is going to take the backfield, it is the Clemson kid connected with Trevor Lawrence who wants him on the field. We know he's good in pass protection. We know he's good sliding out of the backfield. We know he's good with his hands. We know he's explosive. He can run inside, outside. He's got 1,600 yards back-to-back seasons. That kid's locked and loaded. The fact that he went back to school, I could not have been happier because I was looking at I was looking at Swift, Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, I, I, I guess Akers, and I guess Clyde, and I guess Gibson going in. But I was looking at Swift, Jonathan Taylor, and Dobbins and salivating and not knowing where to put these guys in. And so when ETM went back, I said, he's automatically the one-on-one. Right, landing spot pending, just like Swift was landing spot pending. But I thought he was ready to go. So if somebody's going to take this backfield, I think it's Travis, man. I'm not going to question that process, and I'm going to see how it plays out. But this sucks. Could have gone so many different places. Brian, you got anything for us for the Jacksonville Jaguars before I get us out of here? No, that's about it. I'm, yeah, I'm good to go. Fair enough, man. All right, dude. Um, just to highlight some of the crew, man, at Garrett, or Garrett Vienna, at FF Goldmine, just dropped a couple new articles. Edited Rob Lords at Rob FF Attic. Remember to find us on Twitter at Fantasy Football Affair Podcast. Um, I'm your host at Eric Burkholder6. Tons of shout outs to the guys. Britt Sanders, congrats, man. Guy got engaged. Congratulations. And he got into the Scott Fishbowl in the same way. He had a birthday, got engaged, and got into the Scott Fishbowl in three days. That man had himself a week. I'm happy for you, Britt. Congrats. Brad, where can they find you? Where can they find your work? And what do you got for us? I am at FF Bourbon Dude, sipping on all kinds of good shit. If you have any questions about bourbon, about mixed drinks that include bourbon or fantasy football or hell, Maybe it's a combination of the three. Hit me up. Email, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is. Again, it's at FF Bourbon Dude. But you know what? That's not the only place you can find me. You can show up to Canton, Ohio on August the 14th. We're going to be sitting at a hotel having a nice little party. And you say, well, what's this party for, Brad? It's just some random party? No. It's a party for the Fantasy Football Expo 2021. 
You can check it out. It's thefantasyfootballexpo.com or at the FF Expo on Twitter. It's being put on by full-time fantasy. We're going to have a lot of big hitters there. The expo itself is on August the 15th. You're going to see us. You're going to see DLF. You're going to see dynasty nerds. You're going to have all the analysts that you want to talk to, but you know what? None of those guys matter because the night before we're hosting the party for the expo hosted by yours, truly myself, Eric Burkholder, Brian GMFF affair, our man, Brian Manganero, everybody from the team's going to be there. You can ask us anything you want. We're going to be giving away some stuff. We're going to have some cool little prizes. You got to come check it out. Again, it's at the FF Expo on Twitter or the fantasy football expo.com. And again, it's on Sunday, August the 15th with the pre party on Saturday night, August the 14th. Yeah, go to that pre party. I cannot wait to see what Brian does. Brian's out there in Hawaii showing us pictures of his front. He's like, this is my front yard. It's the fucking beach, dude. Get the fuck out of here. It's the beach with girls and, and his, he's got a fiance, but they're, everybody's everywhere, right? All right. And they've got, they got drinks, they got beers, they got surfboards, they got skateboards. He like jogs every day. He's like, man, I got to go for a run. I'm like, you're in fucking Hawaii. You're just sightseeing. Damn it. I cannot wait to see what he does when he comes mainland because it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Brian, where can they find you? Talk to me a little bit about the work you got going on and the podcast that I cannot wait to listen to. Yeah, I've got a lot going on. So first of all, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Vandegrad92. Um, also on Saturday, I became part of the Scott Fish Bowl, so I was excited about that. Then I'm also, um, I also started writing DFS baseball for goingfor2.com. And of course, FF Affair is always my, num- my number one. And then in regards to my, my podcast that's coming up, it's, ca- it's called Cash Crusade, and it's going to be a DFS. So, like I said, I've been doing a little baseball, leaning up to football, excited about it all. We're going we're gonna to have all that content on, on that um, podcast. So, we're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it wholeheartedly. I'm a fan, man. I cannot wait. You had so many lineups that hit, right? We, we went for like the big tournament lineups. We were like well, 150, 160. But if you're just doing a cash game, you're just trying to cash, listen to this man. He's going he's gonna to help you cash. And he, he's talking about lineups. He's talking about tendencies. He's talking about defensive tendencies. He's talking about formations. Uh, he's talking about snaps. He's talking about touches. And he's talking about value. And it starts with value. You can build the studs. If you want to go get Devonta Adams and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey every week, you got you to go scrubbing. This guy will find you the scrubs that are going to hit and make sure you continue to cash. So check him out, fffair.com. You can find us all on the About page. Uh, you can find all our pods in the Fantasy Football Affair Radio Network. That's another tab. Cannot wait to talk to you next week. We got big things coming. We got we got some beat writers coming on. We do. We're very excited to bring them to you. We're going to cover the Jets. Uh, we're going to cover the Patriots. And we are still working on the other two in the division. But we're going to wrap this up. Um, thanks for listening. Don't forget, listen, review, subscribe. Anywhere and everywhere you get your podcast. Leave us those listener questions on Twitter. Facebook, and email that you can find from the homepage at fffair.com. I'm, again, your host at Eric Burkholder 6 Thanks so much, Brian Craighead at BandyGrad92, and, of course, Bradley Stickler at FFBourbonDude, as always. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Later. Later.